0: pop in Minnesota, what's good? Yo, I love, love, love being here because y'all are rowdy. This is the rowdiest youth convention I've ever been to in my life and I like it. Come on, does anybody love Jesus in this place today? Oh, friends, you are in the right place at the right time. I'm so honored to be here today. And uh, before I jump into anything else today, I'm just so thankful uh, for the authenticity, uh, for the leadership, for the friendship uh, of Pastor Kirby and Dez. Come on, can you stand one more time today? And can we just clap for them? Stand one more time and let's clap for Pastor Kirby and Dez and their leadership team. Come on, they are unbelievable. We care so greatly about them. Woo! And while you're standing, you might as well clap for your youth, Pastor. Come on, aren't you glad? Your youth pastor brought you here today. Oh, youth pastors, thank you for bringing your kids. Let me invest into them today. What an honor it is to be here today. And I'm going to have this this place popping like a black church. On a Sunday night. Only the real Christians came on Sunday night. Hey, my name is Peter Reeves, and uh, I am from Lansing, Michigan. Uh, So the Minnesota chill, the cold, it doesn't bother me at all. And, uh couple things about me before I jump in today. Number one, uh, I've only dated one girl my entire life. I met her in middle school, dated her all the way through high school. Uh, and when we got into college, we got married. She's the most beautiful girl in the world. She's the only girl I've, hand I've ever held, the only girl I ever gave a kiss. She is my baby mama. Come on, no, that's my daughter, not my daughter. Hey, that right there is my wife. Hey, listen, she likes her coffee with no cream, you know what I'm saying? Oh, when it gets chilly around the holidays, she's got all the hot chocolate she needs. You know what I'm saying? And that beautiful, some of you know who I am, so you know that beautiful light skinned baby. That right there's my Beyonce baby, y'all. That is Charlie Grace Reeves. Oh, my gosh. She has daddy wrapped around her finger. She's incredible. I miss my family. Wish they could have came with me. Uh, but this was a two-leg trip. And my wife was like, I'm staying at home. I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And the uh, last thing you need to know about me today, last thing, is that uh, I grew up in an African Pentecostal home. African Pentecostal. I'm not talking about African like Lion King, like Simba. No, a lot like that. I'm talking about African Pentecostal, like, mom, what are we eating for dinner tonight? She's like, alligator. I'm like, where did you get an alligator from? We can't eat like this. Can't live like this. I'm like, mom, I'm ordering a pizza. She's like, fine, do what you want. I will eat these alligators by myself. It's like, all right, cool. So I order a pizza. Pizza man gets to the door. My mom opens the door. She's like, sir, how much do we owe you? He's like, ma'am, after your applied coupon, you owe us $3.16. My mom said, say it again. He said, 316. She said, you mean John 316. Uh, The Bible says uh, that God so loved the world uh, that he gave his only. That's what she did. Pizza man was like, I don't know what to do. My mom was like, lift your hands. He dropped the pizza. I said, hey, that's your tip, buddy. That's your tip. My mom started prophesying over the pizza man. It's a true story. She said, son, the Lord is about to drop toppings in your life. And the sauce of your life is going to satisfy. And the cross, the cross. telling you. Pizza man started crying, he took a pepperoni off the pizza, dabbed up his tears. It was a weird experience. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing I learned. I'm so glad I grew up in that kind of environment, because here's what I learned. I learned that it's okay to bring energy into the church. I, I, I learned it's okay to be a little bit excited, and I learned most importantly, that a quiet church is a dead church today. Oh, come on, I said a quiet church is a... A quiet church is a... And we're not dead in here today, so you can talk back, you can be loud, we're gonna have a good time in the presence of the Lord. I'm so thankful that I get to speak on this speed the light service today, and I got a word for you, and uh, so go ahead and turn with me to Leviticus chapter 4, come on y'all, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. So you're like, Leviticus, pal, we haven't even had lunch yet. Okay, come on. 3rd John chapter 1, 3rd John, not John chapter 3, 3rd John chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 hope you like who you're sitting next to, because you'll be sitting there for the next four hours and 26 minutes. All right. <laughs> it says this. It says, dear friends, when you extend hospitality to Christian brothers and sisters, even when they're strangers, you make the faith visible. They made a full report back to the church here, a message about your love. It's good work you're doing helping these travelers on the way. Hospitality. Worthy of God Himself. They set out under the banner of the name and they get no help from unbelievers. So they deserve any support we can give them. Providing meals and a bed, we become their companions in spreading the truth today. Oh, the message was so clear to me, so easy to understand. I hear the Holy Spirit saying to you and I make the faith visible today. Make the faith visible today. And now here's the thing, is many people will experience the power of the faith. They'll experience the benefits of the faith, the benefits of worship, the benefits of private prayer. But where are those who will say, I'm not just looking to experience benefits, I want to make the faith visible today. Where are those who will move from implementation or ideation to implementation, from uh, imagination to reality, who is willing to make the faith visible today? And here's the interesting thing about us, is we love to make ourselves visible today. Oh, come on, everyone's flexing. No, literally, I'm not talking about the cool stuff they have. I'm literally talking about flexing, right? Like guys on Instagram, you know, like really, right? People are like, a like for a like, follow for a follow. I'm like, nah, Brad, I'm not following you. If I wanted to see people curl 10-pound weights, I'd go to the gym myself. You know, ladies, you too. You're like, Pastor Peter, like, I know it looked like I was twerking, but that was actually for God. I like, just, like, want to show people we can, like, have a good time and stuff, you know? Huh? Oh, we know how to make ourselves visible. We know how to make ourselves seen. We know how to make ourselves relevant. But where are the people who will make the faith visible today? Or where are the people who will just talk about feeding the hungry, but they'll actually feed the hungry? Or where are the people who will not just clap for missionaries, but they'll give to missionaries? Where are the people who will serve even when no one's posting about them? Where are those people that will make the faith visible today? Oh, man, I'm so thankful today that I get to be in this house speaking on this topic today how to make the faith visible. You gotta understand, John wrote these verses today to the church, because though there were some who understood what the assignment was, hello, some of them understood what was popping, but really what happened is there was a lot of churches that weren't interested in giving to missionaries at all. There wasn't a lot of churches that were interested in understanding the blessings of being generous today. So John writes these verses to encourage a church and to celebrate a church that did understand the privilege. They understood what it meant to be generous, what it meant to give. And I'll tell you the truth today, this can so easily be us, where we forget why we're doing what we're doing and why we're giving where we're giving if we fail to make the faith visible. If we fail to make the faith visible, we can be just like these people. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us a story. Oh, my gosh. I already switched to Instagram. Praise God. Okay. Uh, the Bible tells us this story about this man who owed a significant debt. He owed a significant debt to a master, and here's what he decided to do. He goes to that master because he didn't have the money to pay, and he confesses. The master gives him an opportunity to be blessed. He forgives him for what he owed, and then he turns immediately around, and he goes to someone else who owed him money, and he takes that money, he tells that person, and he says he has no mercy on them, no blessing on them, and he reprimands that person. And now you read this story, and you're like, what does that have to do with anything today? Because it's evidence to you and I how easy it is to ask God for blessing, to receive blessing but how difficult it is to be a blessing oh we can ask for it and we can receive it but it's difficult to be it today and I've seen the results of those who make the faith visible I've seen people who make the faith visible. I got a girl in my youth ministry. Her name is Olivia. Olivia decided last year that she wasn't just going to hand out cat candy on Halloween. She was going to write prophetic cards. So she stayed in her room. She wrote prophetic cards, about 100, 120 prophetic cards, scriptures, things that the Lord was speaking out to her over them. Because she was determined to make the faith visible. So when people came and they knocked on her door and she wasn't giving them Snickers, she was giving them the Spirit. You see what I'm saying? Right? So she gives them the candy. She also gives them a prophetic card. Now you're thinking to yourself, oh, this is not a big deal. And it might not be a big deal to you. But tell it to the person who cried at her doorstep. Oh, tell it to the person who got saved on her sidewalk. Oh, tell it to the person who said, I've never been encouraged like this before. She said, I'm determined to make the faith visible today. Oh, and that's what I want to help us do. I want to study this verse today. I want to give us some time to make the faith visible. I'm just going to preach like it's my church in here today. So here we go. Number one, you're going to make the faith visible. You got to treat strangers like family. Woo, you got to treat strangers like family. How about instead of telling people where they're going eternally without witnessing to them, we treat them like family? Well, Becca, you would be going to heaven. I'm going to heaven, but you have only fans, so you're not going. Oh, if we're gonna make the faith visible today, we gotta treat strangers like family. I'm so thankful for a stranger who treated me like family. His name was Sam. He was an evangelist. And everything about me and Sam was different. Like, I'm black, Sam's white. I'm young, he's old. I got a crispy hairline. He was bald as a newborn baby. You see what I'm saying? But Sam took me on the road. He treated me like family, though he was a stranger. And he taught me, he took me all over the world. He taught me how to preach, he taught me how to pray, he taught me how to care for my wife today. And and that's so important to me because I want you to see this. Sam was a stranger and he treated me like family and it transformed the trajectory of my life forever. Oh, friends, I'm telling you today, that's the first thing we're called to do if we're here to make the faith visible. Is we got to treat strangers like family. Oh, the Bible tells us the story of a a good Samaritan. And uh, the story is simple. Jesus uses this as an analogy. He's talking to some people. And he's like, listen, there was a guy who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And what happened to him is he got mugged on the street. Somebody jacked his Jordans. They left him half dead on the side of the street. And a priest walks by. And the priest doesn't help. And a Levite who's supposed to have the fear of God in them walks by. And the Levite doesn't help. But there comes a Samaritan. Now here's the interesting thing. We can shame the priest. We can shame the Levite. But what happens here is that they got too familiar with seeing people hurt that they just walked by. And, and this happens in the church all the time. We get so familiar to listening to missionaries talk about where God's called them to go. We get so familiar with hearing people talk about other countries and other situations. And we get so familiar with them, we decide to do nothing. And here's the deal today is you might not do like the priest and the Levite and walk with people, pastor, walk past people with your feet. But here's what we do when we listen to missionaries and we don't respond, we walk past them with our faith. Oh that's a word today. You might not walk past him with your feet, but you do with your faith. And the Bible tells us that this Samaritan, he decides to take care of this man. He pays attention to his wounds and he gets him to a place where he's in safety. Oh, a lot of the things that we're giving to are so people can get into safety. Oh, talk to anybody who's been in Project 31 or, or talk to the people who are on the project of human trafficking. These are people who are getting girls into safety. And I'll never forget what the owner or uh, uh, the leader of that movement told me one time. He said, Peter, we're rescuing young ladies from human trafficking. And then we walk them down the aisle to a man for the first time that is actually worthy of their affection. Come on today. That speaks so deep to my soul. It says the Samaritan took care of his wounds, took care of his wounds and got him to a place where he was safe. And then he told the keeper of the inn, like, yo, when I come back, I'm going to take care of this dude. I'll pay whatever you spent on him. Ooh, he took care of this man. the hand, The resources God put in his hands. He took care of this man's heart. He took his own money so that this man could experience a miracle. He was left half for dead. His life in the trenches, maybe thinking, no one cares about me. And here comes a man who saves his soul. Oh, friends, we got to treat strangers like family. Look at Jesus' definition of family. The disciples are looking for Jesus and they're like, Jesus, your mom's looking for you. He's like, tell her to chill. I'm on do not disturb. And they said, Jesus, your mom is looking for you. He said, who is my mother? Who is my sister? Who is my brothers today? Jesus said, it's those who do the will of the father that are my mother, that are my brother, that are my sisters. Or in other words, anybody who is a stranger, if they decide to surrender themselves to the Lord, they just became family. Friends, you got to hear me today. When people get up here and they talk about their God potential, their God purpose, and they're looking to go where nobody else wants to go, we've got to treat them like family. Of faith visible today. Oh, what else do we have to do? Here's the, thir- the second thing. We've got to defend the believers that the world denies. We've got to defend the believers that the world denies. Here's what John says. He said they set out under a banner of the name. Whose name? The name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that name. The name of Jesus that makes demons flee. The name of Jesus that gets people healed. Under that name, they set out under that banner. They go and he says, and here's the deal, is that unbelievers are not willing to help them. And John has to make this distinction because this isn't the first time in the Bible we see a church that's not willing to do something. Oh, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 17, he says, when I first left Macedonia, Providence, venturing out with the message, no one helped out in this give and take work except you. What? Friends, this is the Apostle Paul. He is God's man of the hour. If God's going to do anything great in the earth, it's going to be through the Apostle Paul. Yet he decides he's going to step out into his God purpose, step out into his God potential, and he could not find one Christian to help him do what God called him to do. Oh, this is what we're facing. We have to defend those who the world denies. Oh, at the, at the very beginning of every summer in the Reeves household, my mom would make us go on a on a fast. Has your come on? Any of your parents so spiritual they make you go on a fast? I'm like, Mom, I don't feel like God's calling me to fast. She's like, You go. You are going to fast today, or you're going back to Africa. I'm like, Why you always threaten me? You're supposed to be a Christian. You know what I mean? It's not how you act. She's like, What did you say? I'm like, mm-mm, Nothing. Mm-mm. Right. At the beginning of every summer, my mom would make us fast. And she'd make us cut down, cut back on expenses. And I got so frustrated because it's at the, the start of the summer. I need some cash so I can make a splash. I got to be out there hanging out with my friends, doing what I do. Mm, mm. You see what I'm saying? But my mom's like, no, 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 we're on a spending freeze, all of us. I'm like, mom, what is the problem? So one time I just talked to her, I said, mom, what is the problem? Are we tight on cash so I need to get a job And Mickey D's because your boys knows how to flip some burgers. What you got for me? She was like, no, son, we're intentionally fasting because here's what we're going to do. We're going to send 10 kids that are in your youth ministry that could not pay for themselves to go to camp. I was like, oh, wow, I get it. She said, yeah, yeah, we're going to inconvenience ourselves so that others can reach their God potential. She said, son, this isn't all about you. We've got to scale back so some other people can step up. Oh, do you know what she was doing today? She was defending those students. She was defending their calling. She was defending their anointing. She was defending their faith. She was defending their purity. She was defending them by sending them to camp. Oh, we have to defend those that the world denies today. And here's the reality of it, y'all. Is if we don't stand for our own, who will? Who will? You know what I find to be funny? People in the world sometimes are better at defending their friends and defending those that they call their tribe than Christians. You know what I mean? Like, I got a friend, and this is kind of stereotypical, but his name is Jamal, okay? So just go ahead and let me roll with that. You're like, why can't his name be Jeff? I don't know. We were in the hood. His name is Jamal. And my friend Jamal is one of those people that's always on go mode. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just always ready to defend you. Like, you know, like somebody bumps into me. He's like, yo, that's smart, bro. What you want to do? I'm like, hey, man, she's 80 years old. You need to calm down. Like, this is this is not that kind of situation, Jamal. But he's always so ready to defend, and he expects you to be pe- a person that defends him. Like, one time he got into an argument with another team at another school, and he's like, guess what? Tomorrow we'll be here at 3 o'clock, me and my boy Pete. And I was like, uh, I have a dentist appointment. I cannot be back here. He's like, me and my Pete are going to clap both of y'all up. I was like... I will clap for you. I'm not clapping against you. I'm a celebrator. You know, like, he expects that same kind of loyalty in return. But I learned by being around some people like that, that they're willing to defend their faith. There was never a time I was hungry where he didn't say, hey, bro, let's split this. There was never a time when I got into an altercation when he wasn't there standing with me, even if he knew we would get beat really bad. There was never a time in my life where he left me empty-handed. Yet there's thousands of missionaries that stand up and say, I believe God's called me to go to Africa, called me to go to India, he's called me to go to Istanbul, he's called me to go to Russia, wherever the Lord has called them. And so many people stand that by as hell rages against them, they have no Christians to defend them. And I said this at camp if you were there, but I want to say it again here today. Ooh, I said this at camp, but I want to say it here again today. My biggest fear for this generation is not that you won't know how to celebrate God in public, but that you won't defend him in private. Whoo! Because this happened to Jesus, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Jesus tells us that he was, the scripture tells us that he was with the disciples always, attending to their needs, answering their questions. I said that backwards. My biggest fear is that you will defend him in private, but not in public. Jesus is with the disciples everywhere they go, answering their needs, speaking to their questions. And then when he goes to the cross, the Bible says that those who were closest to him were nowhere to be found. Those who were rocking with him when he was walking on water, ah, that's my man Jesus. You see him moon walking on the water, what's up, baby? I'm with him. Right? When Jesus was multiplying the loaves and the fishes, ah, we got plenty, to eat up, bro. You ever go with someone to Chick-fil-A or something, they are like, get anything off the menu. I'm like, sure, you are a saint. You know what I mean? Jesus. He's doing all these incredible things and all these people celebrating him, loving him, except when he's by himself. He has no one to defend him. And the Bible tells us about our master that he died on a cross with even those who called him Savior, nowhere to be found. And here's what I thought to myself, right? I thought to myself, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where are the... The lepers that Jesus healed. Remember, there were some guys that had leprosy and like, Jesus, we can't any, we can't get any matches on Tinder. There was no girls trying to talk to us because we got this skin disease. Can you hook a brother up? I need love too. I like hugs. Jesus is like, I got you. He heals them and now they can go back to their families. Where are those 10 lepers? Or, or what about when Jesus multiplied that the loaves and the fishes? The Bible tells us that there was 5,000 people there, not including women and children. Where are those tens of thousands of people that can say, no, 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 I saw him do the miraculous. He truly is the son of God. There was no one to defend him. And then I started thinking to myself, where are the disciples though? You know what I'm saying? Like where's John? The Bible says that John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Right, because John knew what was significant about his relationship with God is not how he felt about God, but about how God felt about him. So John says, I'm the one that Jesus loved. And we have pictures in the scripture of John laying his head on the chest of Jesus. That's how close they were. John is nowhere to be found. And then I thought to myself, what about Peter? Oh, everybody loves Peter. Peter was in the garden with Jesus and some people try to roll up on him with Judas. Peter pulls out a sword. He's like, yeah, you know, he cuts off this dude's ear. Peter's a thug. Some of you are like, what, you need to read your Bible, random citizen. You see what I'm saying? Peter is aggressive. Peter's like, you know what I mean? Like Peter's that guy, he's ready to go at all the time. But Peter is nowhere to be found when Jesus sits alone. You see, because it does not matter how close we can get to God when we're in public or in private like this. Those who walked with him, those who were near to him, those who knew him intimately were nowhere to be found when he needed them the most. Friends, if it was hard to defend Jesus, how hard is it to defend those who come in his name? Oh, this is why we got to defend those. We got to defend them that the world denies. We have to defend them. If we don't stand for our own... If we don't help missionaries get to where they're supposed to go, who will? If we don't say yes to the call of God on their life, who will? You know what's interesting to my, interesting about this too? Is that after Paul did all the miracles, after he re- re- wrote all the scripture, after he was who he was, there's probably countless people being like, man, I just knew you were going to do it. I just knew you were going to be something. I just knew God had his hand on your life. I just knew you had the potential to be so great. But I imagine Paul said. let it never be said of us that people heard the call of God and we didn't respond in faith with them. You know our movement is predicated on the fact that people hear the voice of God and they're willing to go. So why would God keep sending us people who hear if we don't support the ones that go? I gotta make the faith visible. I knew this wasn't gonna be a shouting message today. I'm just trying to do some surgery on your heart today. Because God is calling us to be those That not just jump and shout, but those who make the faith visible today. The last thing is this today. Support those who follow the Holy Spirit. Support them. Oh, you know what's so interesting about the body of Christ today? Is we don't understand we're attached. You know what's so interesting about the people of God is we think we're separate churches, not one church. And so we criticize those who move in the spirit instead of celebrate the encounter they're having with God. Okay, all right. All right. John says it like this, he says, so they, who is they? Those who are feeling called by God. They deserve the support we can give them. Well, I just don't understand. They get to go here and I want to go there. Why do you want to go there? You don't share Jesus with people here. Why would you do it overseas? Oh, for some of y'all, COVID-19 was your best friend. It was you and COVID walking around. Six feet was the best thing that ever happened to you because now you didn't actually have to talk to people. Oh, man. You're like, I can't pray for people. It's six feet, six feet. You weren't praying for people anyway. All right. Okay. Support those who follow the spirit. He says, "So so they deserve any support we can give them. In providing meals, a bed, we become companions in spreading the truth. Can I tell you something, today? When we give, we don't just become companions with men, we become companions with God. We become companions with God, and I want you. I want you to see what Jesus says about this moment. We've got to support those who follow the Spirit. We've got to become their companions. Says John, Mark, Matthew chapter twenty-five, verse thirty-five. It says this: Jesus says, "For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was hungry," says the Lord. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. And you invited me in. I needed clothes and you called me. I was sick, but you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Jesus says, you don't understand. When you say yes to me, all of your actions are not attributed to mankind. They are attributed to the Almighty. You're doing this unto me. And here's the whole point today. This is the whole point of this message. The goal wasn't to make you shout. The goal was to make you think. And here's the point today. The potential tragedy of the Christian experience is that we can receive blessings from heaven and not return them back to humanity. The potential tragedy of us being Christians is that we can receive The generosity of heaven. Oh, let me talk about this for a minute. The generosity of heaven is called grace, my friends. The grace of God that pursues you. And in the scriptures, even the church that was there, they didn't have a great understanding of grace at all times. And so the apostle Paul has to tell them about grace over and over and over again. And he actually told them so much to the point where they believed, wow, we can't do anything wrong. And he says, please, don't keep going on sinning. But but grace... It's the generosity of heaven. And I think today the reason we struggle to be generous is because we don't have a good understanding of grace. Because what happens is when we sin, we run from God instead of running to God. That's an indicator we don't have a good understanding of his grace for us. Oh, in the Bible, there's a man by the name of Adam, and Adam is the first man in Scripture. He's also the first man to sin against God. And the Bible tells us that Adam decides to hide in the garden. The reason he's hiding is because he made a mistake against God, and he doesn't know what else to do. But I get why Adam was hiding. I just don't understand why we are. See, Adam was hiding because he was born into a perfect world. He didn't need the grace of God. He was born into perfection. So he hides. But here we are 2,000 years later and we're still hiding when we make mistakes and we're still afraid to come into the presence of God because we don't understand that when you sin, God doesn't run away from you. He comes closer to you. It's called the grace of Almighty God. It is the generosity of heaven for you and I today. So why do we have to support those who are led by the Spirit? Because God is leaving it up to us. He's given us the strength, the power. The Bible tells us he's given us everything we need for living a godly life. And we have a responsibility to take the word of faith, to take the message about Jesus Christ, to convince a lost and dying world that they are more loved than they are guilty. Oh, that's what I'm preaching everywhere I go. That you're more loved than you are guilty. And it's hard for people to be generous with what God has given them when they don't understand that his grace is abundant for them, that his mercy is for them. Actually, every single morning, the Bible tells us his mercies are for us. But when people come to a deep recollection and an understanding of how much grace God has for them, then they're generous with all they have. The generosity towards the people of God is his grace for you. And you cannot outsin this grace, and you cannot outrun this grace, and you're not failing because His grace is there for you. It's the generosity of heaven. And the tragedy of our experiences together is that we could experience that kind of generosity from a God who loves us, and ret- and fail to return it to the ones He died for. That's the tragedy today. I wanna share with you this last story today. I have a, a friend who's a missionary to China. And he began to talk to me about his experience and he said, Peter, you don't understand, when I decided to go, we weren't going to like a great place in China, we weren't gonna be able to post online. This wasn't like, you know when people go on a missions trip and, but it looks like vacation? Okay, sorry, sorry, I've been, sorry. Somebody like, hey, pal. We served two days while we were there for 24 days. Okay, calm down, I'm sorry. Okay." Come on, we're all family. We're just having a good time. He said, Peter, we were going to go to a dangerous part of China. And he said, it's amazing what happened when we decided to go. He said, when we decided to go, we told our church, everyone was clapping for us. People were like, oh, my gosh, you're going to change the world. The Holy Spirit's going to use you. You're obviously doing something great. He said, we were so filled with faith that we got up and we we literally, we didn't even raise our whole budget. We just got there. We're like, yes. Our people support us. He said, and after two months of being there, the people who clapped for us no longer called us back. He said, we felt so vulnerable because God brought us there to China and he was giving us an opportunity to do a divine work in a space that was about 15, 20 miles from where we are. We needed a vehicle. But no one would call us back. No one would come to our rescue. And we didn't know what to do. He said, so what would you do? He said, I figured it out. I got a scooter like everybody else where we were. And I put my family of four on a scooter. And it was dangerous. And he said, but what choice did I have? And they kept telling me, we'll get you a vehicle, we'll get you a vehicle, we'll get you a vehicle. But that vehicle never came for eight years. Friends, do you see the tragedy? That all of us can experience the radical blessing and the grace of Almighty God. Yet when he calls one from among us who says, I will go wherever he tells me to go. I will do whatever he tells me to do. We stand and clap for them. But then when we go, we forget about them. Where are those who will make the faith visible? Who will say, I'm not just in it for what I can get out of it. And I'm not just in it so I can write it off. I'm in it so that I can be a part of making the faith visible today. Doesn't it blow your mind that churches who were one generation removed from literally the Son of God, people who weren't just hearing about second-hand miracles, they were experiencing first-hand miracles. John has to write to this one church to encourage them and celebrate them. Because there were several other churches that just say, I don't get why this is a big deal. I don't get why this really matters at all. Well, you know, I'm doing my own thing. We also have missions here in our community. Friends, we're called to make the faith visible. And the great commission to go out into all the world and preach the gospel Make disciples of them, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is not our great obstacle. It is not our great obstruction. It is our great privilege to bear the name that is above every name. To say yes to the one who saves everyone's soul. The one Jesus Christ who is the light and the life and the hope of humanity. And we cannot be generous when we don't understand His grace for our life today. Friends, he's more generous than you thought. He's more gracious than we could ever imagine. He's been so good to us. And it's our responsibility to stand in the gap for those who are going. So you say, Pastor Peter, what does this look like? I say this everywhere I go. It's my favorite call I've ever heard on giving. I did not come up with it man said, God is not asking you to give what you do not have. He's asking you to give what you want to keep. What you want to keep today. I want everyone in this room to close your eyes today. I'm going to make the faith visible, Jesus. I'm going to make the faith visible. I'm going to defend people who carry the same name that I carry, Christian. I'm not going to let people wander into the darkness without supporting them with this marvelous light that's been given to me. I'm going to make the faith visible today. I'm going to make the faith visible today. Man, maybe you heard my voice today and you say Pastor Peter, I resonate. I'm going to treat strangers like family. I'm going to support those who are led by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to defend those that the world denies. If that's you today, you say, I'm going to give out of the abundance of my heart. I'm not going to miss this moment. Oh, friends, think about it about how many of those who missed the moment to sow a seed into the Apostle Paul. Let me tell you with your eyes closed where our money's going. Our money is going towards World Serve. World Serve is an organization that develops water wells. And it might not be a big deal to you because you can go to any toilet in this building and scoop out a cup of water. But I will tell you, I was there watching the people drink this water and the water that they were drinking smelled like nothing I'd ever smelled before. I had a conversation with a young boy on the field while we were on the trip and somebody who was a little bit ignorant asked the question, why are you drinking this water? And his response back was, what choice do I have? Oh, our money's going towards Project Rescue, like I told you about, that rescues women and children out of human trafficking. We thought just because there was a stay in place motion, stay inside order, that human trafficking numbers would go down, but they just went up. We're giving so people can be free. You say, Where's our money going? It's going so missionaries can get the vehicles they need to go where God has called them to go. You're like, But I need a car. Yeah, you need a car so you can go turn up with your friends. And they need a car so they can go turn the world upside down. You pick. It's going so missionaries can get a vehicle to go where they need to go. It's going so when people hit natural disasters all over the globe, Convoy of Hope will show up with food, resources, products to take care of families. And you know why I think it's so hard for us to give? Yes, it's because I think we struggle to understand grace. I also think that we just forget sometimes. That Jesus told us, he said, do unto others as you would have them do to you. Let me go ahead and insert this here today. Give unto others as if they were given to you. Because you have no idea the person on the other end of every penny that you're giving. But here's what I'm promising you today. You cannot outgive the master. You cannot outgive God. He's got your back. And he will provide in every way you need because this is who he is. But we've got to decide to make the faith visible. So if you're in this room today, you say, Pastor Peter, I did not come to play. You say, I'm making a decision to make the faith visible. When I count to three, I just want you to stand in your feet and I want you to raise your hands. And some of you, as you do that, God's going to call you. And some of you, as you do that, you're going to get the healing you need. And as some of you do that, you're going to get a word from the Lord today. Because when we step into making his faith, the Bible tells us that it's those of us, it's those of us who decide to be about God's business. Those of us who go and pursue the kingdom all these things will be added unto us abundantly. So don't be surprised when you get more than you asked for when you stand today. Who in this house says I'm making the faith visible? I'm going, I'm giving, I'm doing, I'm making it visible today. Come on, one, two, three. Stand and lift your hands. If you say I'm making the faith visible. Come on, lift your hands today. Come on, worship team, give me something right now.